Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. This is season six, episode 45. I'm your co-host, Keith. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And make sure you go back and check out our previous episode, the Courtney Noel interview. It was an amazing show. She dropped some valuable gems about being in the fashion industry and creating your own business. Check it out and definitely share your thoughts. How are you doing today, Key? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, the weather's a little weird. Now it's like raining, but not really raining. Yeah, it went from like super humid and disgustingly hot to cold and windy again. Facts. So I'm just kind of like, you know, it was kind of cool. But so far, so good. I'm in good spirits. And I'm happy that we're doing this episode following up the Courtney Noel interview. I thought it was one of our best episodes to date, dropping some wonderful gems about being a business owner and cultivating her business. So make sure you check that out. And we're actually going to be talking a little bit about that later on in the episode. Yes, yes. Giving a little spoilers away. For me, I actually really love this colder weather now because I get to wear like heavier jackets and outfits like my sweater that I got in the studio today. I like to being able to put on a suit jacket, some hoodies. I like to layer up a little bit. Also, we're not going to be seeing your muscles. Like you've yeah. been showing it on an Instagram. Yeah, they're story. gonna they're gonna be there, but you gotta you gotta have like that access to it you to really to, to really see it, especially as it gets colder. Mm-hmm. I just want to <laughs> know who got that access, <laughs> Coach P. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the show. Let's do it. Um. So earlier this week on September third, Calvin Kaepernick was chosen to be the face of Nike's thirtieth anniversary. Just do a campaign. Can't believe it's been 30 years already. Hey, it's lit. <laughs> Facts. The commercial aired on NBC during the third quarter of the NFL's season opener game between Falcons and Eagles on Thursday Night Football. The commercial was very important in a sense that it has a representation matters undertone. And it's important in relations to diversity in sports. So, for instance, there was a child with no legs on a wrestling match, a young shadow boxing woman wearing a hijab, and a blonde girl playing high school football against boys. Finally, some of the valuable lessons um, mentioned throughout the commercial were calling a dream crazy is not an insult. It's a compliment. If you are born a refugee... Don't let it stop you from playing soccer at the age of 16. Be bigger than basketball in reference to LeBron James and him opening up the I Promise School. Don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. And one of the most popular statements circling the net from this commercial is, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. I want to repeat that. Believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. Mm, That's powerful. It's very powerful. And one of the interesting facts about all of this is that Kaepernick has been paid out by Nike during the time that he's not being picked up by a football team. This was reported by Darren Revolve from the ESPN reporter. So this whole time, even if this campaign happened prior to, especially with the nailing controversy, he has been paid behind the scenes by Nike. So they was doing their due diligence. I'm low-key getting emotional right now because it makes me so happy. Just in general, like there's like been some negativity like in the air and just hearing this story it's like someone who was doing the right thing the entire time is actually being rewarded for it and being taken care of like that makes me so happy like he wasn't just he, he someone's got his back and that's I think that's a great thing right there and it ain't just anybody it's Nike facts damn so the aftermath of the announcement was kind of shocking to me there was outraged fans who were cutting their Nike logo from their clothing. And please keep in mind, 
these were garments that they actually already purchased. So, <laughs> so Nike, Nike already had those checks, no pun intended. <laughs> Facts. Um, some of the items that were being burnt were like outdated Nike sneakers, socks. People were cutting off the logo. It was just, it was really, I don't know. It just felt weird to me, the, the, the backlash that it was getting. And in my opinion, these form of protests were really not effective because, like you said, Nike got paid already. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the aftermath, though, in less than 24 hours since Kaepernick revealed the spot on Twitter, Nike received more than $43 million worth of media exposure. That's huge. And I love the fact in the commercial he's wearing his Afro out. It's like, oh, God. That ass with the trench coat. I'm like, I see you with the black on. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps. because It was kind of giving me a Black Panther kind of feel. I was like, all right, I see you. All right. It would have been kind of cool if he had like a beret on, too, and then they did like the little Ray J (laughs) where the hat kept on switching. (laughs) So the hat moved like five times in three seconds. Exactly. <laughs> no shade though. Mm, but mm-hmm. so there was uh there was a lot of either neutral or positive feedback from the media exposure that they received. But the company's shares did drop about three point nine percent earlier this week. And I think with with anything like this. There's always that knee jerk reaction, like those people burning and people like the shareholders may be nervous about that. But I think like you can already see forty three million dollars in exposure and you know there are people out there riding or dying for Nike even more now because of that. And I'm actually one of those people because it really says about a lot about the the character, the just the 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 brand and what's important to that company and Facts. it really I really appreciate that. I'm about to start wearing Mikey every day. Every day. <laughs> Facts. So this is actually great, too, because there has been tension between Nike and the NFL because Nike has been the official uniform and sideline <laughs> apparel supplier for the NFL since 2012. And recently their partnership was extended through 2028. So right after extending their partnership, Nike did this ad campaign with with. Colin Kaepernick, so it's basically like <laughs> we about to get those checks from you too, and you're you guys are idiots. They playing chess, not checkers. Checkmate. Facts. Ooh, say one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate. Let's get it. Uh, so the National Fraternity Order of Police and the National Association of Police Organization had an issue with the the campaign, and they had enough time where they actually drafted a letter about boycotting Nike. Luckily, the National Black Association actually came to Kaepernick's defense and stated, NAPO believes that Mr. Kaepernick's choice to openly protest issues surrounding police brutality, racism, and social injustice in this country makes him anti-police. On the contrary, the NBPA believes that Mr. Kaepernick's stance is in direct alignment with what law enforcement stands for, the protection of people, their human rights, their dignity, their safety, and their rights as American citizens. Also known as, nah, bruh, you on your own with this boycott. The boycott <laughs> is y'all problem. It ain't a us problem. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Got him. Facts. So um, despite everyone's reaction, the campaign will continue with plans to release a Kaepernick-inspired shoe and okay. T-shirt 
they will donate the money to Kaepernick's um, Know Your Rights educational campaign. So that's really good, is that kind of killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Um, and the, f- the fact that he'll get these proceeds to put towards his campaign, which is really big. He's been traveling throughout trying to do this Know Your Rights thing, which I think it's very imperative, especially for young people of color and black people, knowing your rights. So when you have an interaction with a police officer, you can act accordingly. Yeah. Um, even in those cases, even if you do know your rights, a, a cop will still try to try you, but at least you know that you have the upper hand handling it accordingly and knowing how to move forward yeah um what were your initial thoughts about the campaign like i said when i saw that i was just like oh my god i was so happy and i guess i've never been a big nfl fan so but you know football though because you know a lot like i i know it just from watching like sports center my friends watch it so i'd watch the super bowl Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but um I never really was a huge fan. Like, I was more into basketball. But with this whole Kaepernick and the kneeling, I, I haven't watched football and don't really support it at all now. And everyone's now doing their fantasy leagues for football. And I'm just like, oh, God. Everyone's talking about that all the day. And I'm just yeah. like, I don't, I have no nothing to say to this because I just kind of uh, separated myself from that. And seeing how Nike did this campaign and how, like I said, Kaepernick, someone who was fighting for justice and just peace like and having fairness it's a beautiful thing to see this campaign come out and right at the start of the season like you said nike definitely playing chess and they calculated their moves perfectly they damn sure did and actually as i was looking into this um they're really good with marketing apparently and they've been doing that for years so they know what to tackle to their market they know what their market consists of primarily of people within a mid-30 range, very diverse yeah. um, demographics. So they know what they're doing, um, and they're catering to their audience for that matter. So that is very true to speak to your point. So do you think the protests surrounding the campaign, like cutting off the check mark and burning um, shoes, outdated Nike shoes at that, might I add, <laughs> do you think those are, like, valid? I do think, at the end of the day, as an American citizen, you have the right to protest, and that's one of the beauties of being an American. I knew you was going to give me that response, but continue anyway. <laughs> but at the end fair. of the day, I just feel like the fact that people are getting so upset about this, it just kind of shows that people aren't really thinking about the real issue. Like, if people are getting killed in the street due to police brutality, people should be bringing that same heat energy to these injustices. And the fact that People are just going ham because he was kneeling, and now it's like, oh, Nike, if you if you even support this guy, we don't support you. I'm just like, that's so stupid. And also, to like to my point is, he didn't even talk about the kneeling or anything. This ad it had that representation undertone. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was expecting to see some legs on the floor. But you're right. There really wasn't no kneeling in the ad itself like right. explicitly, but it was more so speaking from diversity from different angles of athletes within right. the game. Right, exactly. But, yeah, that's true. And all these different messages that, like, you so eloquently spoke about, like... <laughs> Thank it, you, Coach B. I do what I can when I can get it done. <laughs> Plus, get. this mic got me sounding hella sexy. Confirmed, confirmed. Shut up! <laughs> but... Yeah, I I just thought, like, the way they did it was great. And people just have so much disdain for him because of he's fighting social injustice. I think it's it's just, like, it's weird to me. And it just shows that people will do anything to just not really deal with the issues at hand. Like, rather turn a blind eye to it and say, you're disrespecting the flag when the National Association of Black Police 
or sorry, the National Black Association of Police yeah. openly came out and said, we stand behind Kaepernick. What he's kneeling for and protesting against is the same thing that we're supposed to be in f- providing to American citizens. So, um, And also veterans support him. So yeah, I kind of look a little stupid. But yeah. continue, though. Yeah. So was it surprising that Nike has been endorsing Kaepernick this whole time? And do you think other sponsors have been doing the same? I, I was really surprised by that. On twofold, it was like if you guys were sponsoring this whole time because there were talks of sponsors being pulled from him, I thought so. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were supporting him this whole time, it was like, was it a hush-hush support? Or mm-hmm. was it like, we support you, we don't care? Because I never knew that there was still an affiliation going on. And, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. But I guess for me, if you're going to be explicit about it now, why not throughout the whole time of you supporting him? Because I feel like that would have been talked about like, oh, people still support i didn't know he had that i i feel like a part of me feel like they're the only one that supported him Mm -hmm. to keep it on it um but i wouldn't be surprised if he had minor endorsements here and there but i wouldn't be surprised if now he gets those endorsements he lost back if not others because nike's supporting it because it's not like nike is just a regular no-name company it's been around for years it has a lot of revenue so that's why them taking this risk is not a huge loss to the company and actually, it's kind of interesting because um, Ford even came out saying that they support. And I'm like, Ford, so what y'all going to do? Y'all going to burn y'all cars? <laughs> like, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> well, you could donate it to a veteran. Like, instead of y'all burning and cutting up and y'all all patriotic and y'all talk about nationalism, give it to the people that you supporting so much. Yeah. What's going on with that? Yeah. Um, and just really quick point to what you're saying about the Nike supporting him. I'm really happy that they did it in the way they did where they didn't openly put it out there and like it was really a calculated move with how it turned out right now because I'm happy that the NFL now is locked in a contract with them for till 2028 like and it sets the tone because now he is in going to trial with the NFL saying that they work together to um yeah. kind of kick keep him out. I so, wonder if Nike's paying those law bills. Yo, bruh. That'd be crazy. And they actually proved, I believe, in arbitration that he has a case to move forward because Ooh. it was like they have enough proof. So you got Nike supporting you, you got this going on. Watch somebody try to pick him up by next week <laughs> so they don't get that lawsuit. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was really surprising to me. But then again, I'm happy that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And do you view Nike differently or your sentiment? the same prior to this campaign i'm gonna keep it a hundred i'm like pro nike right now i wasn't really crazy about nike and all of that um whatever um but now because they a lot of these brands it's like okay y'all just there y'all do y'all little thing the subliminals and y'all try to like be for the culture but to see them taking (laughs) this like huge leap and you said the way they did it which is very i'm glad you pointed out that fact um because he put it out on twitter yeah. That he was, and then they came, it's not like they came out. So, how the strategy of putting it out, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, within like, what, 24 hours, you spoke about 43 million the company had in gross in terms of uh, media, know, media exposure. Basically. Yeah. So, and it's true because no one was, I couldn't tell last, no one talked about Nike on this level. It was <laughs> been talked about like every day. Yeah. Adidas and Kanye West have been making <laughs> splashes. So. Well, you know, slavery's a choice. <laughs> so, let's see how that goes. Um, but nah, it was like, yo. And so I have newfound respect for them right yeah. now. Like, it's crazy because I never thought I would, but I'm like, yo, I, I'm even more encouraged now to purchase their stuff. And I haven't really bought a Nike stuff in a minute. I'm not a really big sneakerhead, so I don't really care about that stuff. Yeah. But maybe work out attired, you know what I'm saying? Sleepwear. I'm about to just get something where every day, show up to work, like, what's Gucci? Just do it. <laughs> what about it. you? Um, I definitely. 
I always liked Nike because I, I'm into marketing and like that motivational. The, like their art for their commercials are always great. Like it just I gets never me. noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you, it was it, just regular. If you go back and watch their stuff, they're really like emotional, like evoking you to like really grind, push yourself, be the best you can be. Like, but don't other brands do that too? Yeah, but Nike's been doing it for so long, so consistently with so many different athletes. Like. I feel like their marketing has always been on another level. So that's why seeing Kaepernick being a part of that, I was just like, that makes it even more special. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really happy to have something that happened that I got to, like, be excited about and be happy for versus, like, with the H&M situation where I was mad at H&M or, like, with the Starbucks situation where people were getting arrested or or Permit Patty. Like, this is something, like, that (laughs) has happened, and it's, like, it it feels like it feels right. I feel like with racism, you know, it, it feels wrong. This it feels, feels right. like they're on it's, the right side of history. Exactly. And I feel like years down the line, you know, when we get older, and I would hope we have kids, not together, but you know, separately. Possibly, you never know. <laughs> All right, Shit happens. I'm sure it does happen. <laughs> not here, bro. Um, season, but down the road when we have kids, and you know, they have kids, I would hope by that time things are changing around to kind of have that conversation to, oh, I remember when this happened when this campaign came out we talked about it on the podcast yeah. and it's they're on the right side of history and that's why I have a newfound respect for them I hope they continue the momentum um, and follow it through because with these I don't know when people come on our side <laughs> under like the last minute or not the last minute but like after the fact it's not like Nike was right yes they was paying him outright but they weren't explicitly on it with him throughout this whole time. You know what I'm saying? And I mm-hmm. question if they were, would it have changed things? You know what I'm saying? I, I think it would 100%. So, they, like, they probably wouldn't have been hired again by the NFL just probably, right off the bat. Which is, and that's why they did things strategically. However, it's just I always question people's motive and intent. Be consistent with it. Follow through. You know, and I hope that they actually do follow through and remain consistent. But I'm happy and I actually do look at them differently. And now I'm even more encouraged in purchasing their garments. I'm not even going to front. Like, I really want to buy their stuff now even more so than before. Mm, facts. Yeah. I definitely wore my Nike shirt to the gym, took a picture with it. Yeah, I see you on the IG stories. And I hope you guys have been following us. Pierre's been very active. He's been working out, trying to get his body back right inside. He getting a couple abs and I'm going to keep track for the ladies out there because you know how we do, you know. Six pack on deck or nothing else. Damn. We won't settle for less, boo boo. Oh God, be your best self. Live your best life, guys. He's <laughs> at a three and a half, so we got some work to do. But I hope you've been following us on Instagram. He's been posting a lot on our IG stories, and Pierre has, you know, went through the hurdle of feeling insecure, and now he's more positive about his body. So I'm really excited about that. And I just want to share that with people out there, especially young men out there that's trying to get a good workout. He's a great motivator, inspirational, and he gives a lot of great tips. And we have Healthy Eats on the Instagram page. So Pierre gets a lot of smoothies. I'm not there yet. I have it like once a week. Um, And he does fruits, too. So try to watch us and get some good ideas, okay? Yeah, definitely had a green smoothie today. Feel great. What was in it? I don't even know. I just I had brunch today, and they had an option of a green smoothie and like a a super smoothie, I yeah. would just, like, give me green. Whatever, I need green stuff inside of me. Did you have a boost of energy afterwards? Oh, definitely. It, okay. I felt really good. Okay. And had some avocado gangrene. See, he's on it. Three I'm, and a half packs, working on that six. I'm actually going to be in Miami in about two weeks to see Drake and Migos, so... 
Got to be on. Got to be beach ready by then. It but must be nice. But but <laughs> this is just. I I actually hate that I said that because your fitness, your health, well being, it shouldn't be tied to one specific event, one thing that's coming up. It's really a lifestyle. And that's how you're going to really get the result and maintain it because Miami's going to come and go and that's going to give me an excuse to fall off, fall off if I'm looking at it that way. So definitely think about it for the long term, the energy, vitality you want to have with like you were talking about playing with your kids when you're older, yeah. living a long, happy life like that's what it's really about. So. Yeah. Coach P dropping gems. Yeah, y'all. But Miami's going to be lit. You heard? Champagne pop. Y'all have me here. <laughs> you better put them joints on a story. Come through dripping. <laughs> drip, drip. All right, so we're going to switch gears. Now that we went from talking about Kaepernick, him being a leader and setting an example pertaining to being woke and being very involved in the community, now we're going to discuss our book review, A Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela, also known as Madiba. Madiba. Yes. Um... So, the book was pretty long. <laughs> so off at yeah, that point. It, it was long. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to go into the pros. I love me some Adiba, and I love his growth. When he started out when he was younger, he was slightly naive about racism in Africa, um, primarily within his country. And he did not really grasp certain things. I think we, we grow into that. You know, not all of us, you know, just pop out the womb as like a Rosa Parks and Malcolm X. Like, we got to get to that point. I have a dream. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> um, in the labor room, bro. <laughs> like, it's like, what the fuck happened? But um, he was growing into his own. And one thing I like about the book was his growth. I was like, okay, like... You see his transition of becoming woke. It kind of reminded me of Malcolm X's um, autobiography, actually. So I saw the parallels. Also, him becoming an attorney and challenging laws that played that pertain to apartheid. And in the act of him becoming an attorney, he realized that his firm was, it was essentially meant to assist people within a community. And he started to know a lot of people started to come to him and his colleague, primarily because they were affected in a negative aspect of because of apartheid. So they were coming there for assistance and help and guidance, and he provided those services. But it became like a refuge for them, for mm. where they could come and come together, you know, a safe space. And I thought that was really interesting because we don't talk about safe space in our communities. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about places where we can go and just be like, yo, let me tell you what happened today with this person. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it pertains to race relations. Um, and then I think that is very important because you may have an experience, Pierre, that is a racial experience that affect you. And I may be like, well, that's light. Mm -hmm. And then I may compare it to a more drastic experience. You know, racism is not going to be you getting lynched walking down the block. It could come in all aspects, but that doesn't mean that you can't challenge it and talk about and deconstruct it for what it is. And it, and I think as, as black people, we feel like we don't, it has to be levels to racism for us to be explicit and talk about. It's like, it doesn't matter what level it is. If you're affected, yeah. talk about it. So I think him creating a safe space was something that was really big for me. Can I just say one point about what you just said? Yeah. I really, he actually mentioned that in the book where he said it wasn't really one defining moment that really made him become woke. It was just constant slights and little yeah. like um, jabs at him and seeing unfairnesses all throughout his life yeah. that he realized like this is such a big thing and it's so prevalent in my life. And when I look back at all these things, it's why I have to like, I have to fight this. And I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because when he was in prison with his, his colleagues and, well, his peers, for that matter, um, the warden had given him trousers. Mm -hmm. They was wearing shorts. And only, I believe, only the Indian guy was allowed to wear actual trousers. And they provided him one because he made a complaint and they provided it. But he he realized that his other peers didn't have it. He was like, wait, 
y'all don't have and it was like no he's like well if they can't have it i'm not having we all it's either all or nothing and i was like i'm like you in prison like <laughs> bro you like bro but real talk that like it was a lot of nuances in the book and things that he did i was like yo i really respect this man on another level um and i really got a good insight into the kind of per- his character mm-hmm. is what i walked away i loved his character and how he portrayed himself and throughout his life and the things that he stood for and speaking of his characters his consistency of being a leader he never changed up on his journey he was consistent throughout from start to finish especially when he um, was sentenced to robin island they refused to appeal um him and his peers had refused to do the appeal when they were sentenced for life because they felt their actions was just i was like that's dedication because a, a lot of us would have been like, wait, what? Oh, we appealing that joint real quick. But it, the initial reaction was like, what we stand for matters more than what is said or what is done. Like, it is what it is. And I respect him for that. And one of the things that I loved, too, was the love between him and Winnie. It was one of those unique kind of love. She was definitely a ride or die, but in a positive way. Mm. You know, like it was like, and then she became an activist in her own right. Oh, dear. Which was like crazy. <laughs> and she was a part of the struggle. And I like the position she played because, you know, when he found out he was sentenced, he was trying to find her face in the crowd and he couldn't find her. But then when they, I, I believe when they finally came together, and she didn't cry, nothing. She was just like, I'm here. And I'm like, yo. You strong, bruh. Cause I would have shed a couple tears. I would have been like, first of all, we gotta talk about this. Um I got but goosebumps from that. It yeah. was just, you know, reading about that and their love is so real and um genuine. And I feel like, you know, we talked about relationship goals in our previous episodes, but this is like another level. Like, you know, she fought the battle with him and kind of was there and also doing her part as a mom and raising the kids. And I really love that pertaining to the book. My only con is, it was about 628 pages. I definitely feel like there was parts of it that could have been condensed. Um, a little bit more concise, in my opinion. I understand why he provided all that information for what it was, but I just felt like there were parts of it that really could have been concise. And the, the thing is, is that it's an autobiography. So some may have a lot of information, but then there's others that where they're able to concise the information and they get it out to the audience. So I'm not sure what his angle was pertaining to it, but um, I appreciate the information he provided because I'm sure there's parts of the book that may have touched people more that weren't condensed, which I get. Um, But I just felt like there were certain things that could have been a little concise and it was slightly repetitive in certain aspects. But overall, I really did enjoy the book for what it was. Yeah. Take it away, Coach P. So for me, Nelson Mandela or Madiba was someone I knew of but didn't really know. And like really being able to learn of his humble beginnings and how he transformed into a world-changing leader was really special. Like, I felt like my mind expanded from it, especially because just even doing this podcast is something that I never saw myself doing. And I've always felt the like the tension with social injustice, racism, unfairness in regard to that. And seeing how he developed throughout the book and actually started fighting that and kind of realized like I have to do this because of my, like you said, my character and yeah. his like morality. It made me like feel better about what I'm doing and just being and wanting to take more steps to really make that difference like he literally like he lived breathe and eat that whole thing exactly seriously the movement that's all he was about yeah i really enjoyed seeing the development of his character as a child like who had no real interaction with white people at all so i think with with 
in anything in life, awareness is such a major factor. And it was so easy for him to just not to be naive to what was going on because he didn't actually see it. He didn't see the harsh realities of what it meant to be a black person in the racist climate that was South Africa at the time. And then just watching him go from his school career to becoming a lawyer, full-fledged activist, going to prison and then becoming a president, like seeing that whole process and then hearing what was going on. Like you said, he was always consistent, even from like school years, where he was elected class leader because everyone in the class wasn't able to participate. He's like, I don't want this. And I think that just shows like a lot about just what it takes to be a man or a woman, just having that real strong moral foundation and like direction for your life. It just makes things simpler, even if the decision sometime might be hard. Um, the book really resonated with me again, because I was able to see how he gradually changed. And that's, it's something that I feel like I'm going through right now. Like, I would have never spoken about Trump or saying I'm protesting. You mean Cheeto Hitler? Sorry, Cheeto Hitler. You know how we do out here. (laughs) Yeah, like, I, I wouldn't have never spoken about that or talk about how I don't support the NFL because of this Colin Kaepernick situation and the kneeling. I actually would try to shy away from it. But it's like when you when you are aware of the things that are happening, that growth just you, you can't unlearn it. And that's where I feel like I'm at right now and just going out and doing more like when we attended the protest together. Yes. And it, it was really special seeing how even until he was in his late 30s when he really started ramping up his activist work. This and is true he too. really made a difference at a later stage in his life. Like he, yeah. So that was really cool, seeing how it just gradually taking baby steps to make that difference because you don't have to do things one, two, three. Yeah. Like it's a process. It's lo- you have a long life to really make an impact. And I felt like his growth and his understanding of being woke and more conscious, it was genuine. It wasn't a political strategy. It wasn't a political move. Because right. some of these leaders, yeah, they do a lot for the community, but you got to question them. You got to side out. I'm like, what you trying to do over there? Um, but I feel like with him, it was always that consistency and genuineness of his character as to who he is and him embodying that leadership role. Yeah. And I think that was another potent point that I noticed. I just I didn't feel like, oh, he's going to do something else. He has a side agenda. He's not really he doesn't have any morals. I felt all of that by reading it, which I thought was another important factor. Yeah. And, and for me, I really saw, again, a man of principle that understood that you have to believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Again, Look at you plug it in. I, yes. <laughs> I like Cap. So that that was great. And just kind of being able to talk about those two things together. And I guess the last real gem I really took away from the book was I loved how he knew when to change course. And you mentioned Malcolm X and how they had some similarities. And he was throughout the entire first half of the book. He was non a nonviolent um Nonviolent protester. He didn't want to have anything to do with violence, but he saw that the state was merciless in Mm -hmm. what they were doing, and he realized we have to switch things up, and he wasn't scared to take action. He was never trying to hurt anybody, but they took... They took action to sabotage the government to show, like, we're going to do whatever we have to do to get this freedom that we we as humans deserve. Exactly. And... And, Grant, I'm not advocating violence or anything like that, but 
the fact that as a leader, he saw that what we're doing is not working, and this is a cause that is very important. We have to step up and actually get results. Like, we can't say this doesn't work and, and give up. He really took action to really make a difference. And, yeah, so, like, when me and you did the protest or us talking about these things, posting stuff on social media that's sharing our thoughts— Sometimes I get really scared and nervous about it, seeing how people are going to feel about me and, and my thoughts and opinions. And we see how these trolls be on this yeah. joint, and so, I'll be shutting that shit down. Yeah, it, it it was great seeing that he was willing to switch things up to get the result yeah. like that they deserved as humans. Um, for me, the only con that I really had with the book, again, was the length. Yeah. For you read the book, I actually listened to it via Audible. Yes. That mm-hmm. that's the my luxury. <laughs> mm-hmm. the luxury. And it was about 28 hours of listening. So that that was intense. But I've never read any other autobiography before, mm-hmm. at least in my adult life. Yeah. So I'm curious to see how other autobiographies are written. This is a genre that I've never really dabbled into. Yeah. And it did have a lot of minor situations that might have not been as grandiose as others. But I think... If, if I were writing an autobiography, it would be cool to have all these stories throughout my life in one place and forget who forget like the audience I'm selling it to. This is something I can read and remind me of all these amazing things that happened throughout my life. So I feel like I could see why there was a lot of a lot of details, but then I could see I could go another direction and just really mm-hmm. talk about like the more major moments. Yeah. But overall, definitely great read yeah great person and character and i'm glad that i had the opportunity to come across the book and read it and find out more about who he is aside from what the social media provide for us and also winnie as well so definitely check it out when you get a chance and let us know your thoughts on it you can sign our dms per usual or send us an email definitely so we switching gears a little bit so an angel (laughs) i want to call him an angel darling So this week, the New York Times published an anonymous op-ed essay from a senior official in the Trump administration. Some highlights from the essay, hence why they're an angel. God (laughs) bless you. Bless your heart, whoever you are. Um, Senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclination. Really? Oh, my God. I can't imagine what his worst inclinations are. (laughs) Probably his toupee. Let me break it back. Um, Trump appointees have vowed to do what they can to preserve our democratic institutions. Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Who would have known? Um, And from the White House to executive branch departments and agencies, senior officials will privately admit their daily disbelief at the commander in chief's comments and actions. Yeah, Meetings with him veer off topic and off the rails. He engages in Repetitive rants and his impulsiveness results in half-baked, ill-informed, and occasionally reckless decisions. That I'm, sounds like a child, my yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm laughing, but it's actually not funny because this is the person who's leading our country. So, yeah. There's a two-track presidency. <laughs> One track, Trump shows a preference for autocrats and dictators such as Putin of Russia and King Jong-un of North Korea. The rest of the administration is operating on another track where countries like Russia are called out for meddling and punished. Yeah, that's, um, a lot is going on there. Somebody snitching, and they doing it right, okay? I'm very proud of you. We got freedom fighters in the White House. <laughs> yeah. Yo. 
it's lit right now. This <laughs> week is lit. Bruh, yo, continue doing what you're doing. And just write a, um, a follow-up essay because I need to get some more juice into this. So, Coach P, what is your take on the Trump administration after reading this essay? It, it's you already know how it feels. Just go right in, honey. It's mm-hmm. twofold. It, it gets me nervous and more scared that Like a two-presidency track? Right. <laughs> I just want to make sure. There's like, if they're stopping some of the crazier things that he wants to do, it's like really, like this is, the situation with Trump as president is even worse than we think. And it also makes me very joyous knowing that there are people who realize, like within his own administration, this guy's not suit for this, and we're actually we're doing what we can from within to make a difference and really kind of dull the blow because he won. We can't change that, but we got to keep fighting. We can't just give up, and we got to fight for the liberties of what it means to be an American. So that that I, I think that's pretty great knowing that's going on right now. <laughs> what about you? Um, I think it's interesting, the timing of it. I think if there are people, if this is actually fully true, because I have to question things when it comes to Trump's administration. I don't know if he's behind this or what he's doing. They say he's trying to find a person who wrote it. Let's see how that turns out. But I will say that it's unfortunate this is happening. I don't recall this happening in any presidency. I damn sure ain't happened when Obama was in office, but, you know, a lot didn't happen when Obama was in office. There was no such thing as treason, okay? So that's where we at with it. I'm... I want to see what comes of it. You know, what else is going to happen? Every week is something new with this dude and the administration. So it's like, I'm not fully surprised. You know, people getting fired left and right, and then this is drafted up. I really, I was expecting more from it. I thought it was going to get more juice. I was like, all right, give me a little something else. I feel like some of this we already knew. Like, if you watch any of his interviews or, like, listen to it for, like, more than a minute, you would know that this is pretty factual and on point, but that's an easy observation to make as a public. So I wanted something else because I want—I thought it was going to put like some real interesting information in there. Like, yo, he about to drop a bomb. When? What date? We got to be there. Like, it was kind of given, it gave enough, but not too much. It's like a little teaser. It was a little teaser. And I need more than that. You know what I'm saying? I need, I need more than a little teaser, honey. If, if, you're, if, if that senior official is out there listening, you should do this like R. Kelly trapped in the closet style. Like every, every essay just gets a little bit more juicy and crazy. Just a little and bit more. Details. And when you stop giving fucks, just come on Unapologetically Different Podcast and let's set up an interview, get bro. Get that exclusive. We can fix your voice so nobody will know who you are. You know what I'm saying? We're going to send you an email real quick once we find out who you are. We feel like we know you know some more juice and we need some more juice. But aside from that, we'll see what comes of it. I did want more information, but I'm glad that you said we have freedom fighters in the White House. I'm glad that people actually have common sense and know what's going on and they're actually trying to tackle him and handle it accordingly keep up the good fight definitely really appreciate you for that coach p dropping gems i'm so excited (laughs) for this part because i think it's really beneficial for people out there especially if you're broke (laughs) pay attention clearly okay so so we've been really lucky this season to have very successful inspirational and dope entrepreneurs in our show and looking back on these episodes the consistent theme was the idea of monetizing your gifts or, as I like to describe it, turning your purpose into a paycheck. The two guests I'm referring to are Tariq Navar from episode 41 and Courtney Noel 
from episode 44. Tariq is a celebrity barber based in Atlanta, and Courtney is a plus-size women's wear designer taking the fashion industry by storm. And if you haven't heard those interviews already, you need to go back and check those out like yesterday. Facts. As they were, they were definitely dropping major gems left and right. So the thing about both of these guests is that they were following their passions and making a living off of it, which in my opinion is like the highest level of accomplishment. And that is what I want to talk about on today's episode, how to turn your passion into paycheck and to monetize your gift. You may ask yourself, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to break it down for you in three easy steps. So the first step is you have to find out what you're good at. We all have a lot of talents and skills, and it's very important to first sit down and analyze that. You don't have to be a jack of all trades. And when you narrow that list down, you're taking the first steps to turning that purpose into a paycheck. And it's crucial here to be honest with yourself because we all have things we want to be good at, but you don't want to waste time or energy just trying to develop a whole bunch of different skills, especially when you have things that you already naturally excel at. So some examples of things that people naturally are good. I've always been someone who connected with people really well. Some people are motivational speakers. They they get to they're just natural leaders. Some people are good with their hand building stuff. So like any things that you enjoy doing, you don't have to overthink it. Just start off with that. Just make a list of what you what you like to do and what you're good at. And speaking of with you being connecting with people, just a brief thing I've noticed is that, that that's a form of you doing like consultation work because you're good with people. So you have an extrovert kind of personality and also keeping in mind the work that they're in and the career paths and kind of connecting them to other people and becoming a liaison. You could kind of monetize that gift as well. Yeah, that's, yeah. De- that's definitely a perfect example. There's a speaker that I like. His name is Lewis Howes. And he actually he grew his career because he was constantly putting himself out there, interviewing people on his podcast and just connecting with people. So his Rolodex was just filled yeah. of people. And that's a business that he created for himself where he was connecting people. Like, like you said, he was that liaison. You need someone in this industry. Yeah. I know this guy, that guy. I can bring you guys together. Whatever you guys create from there, that's on you. But I'm just going to be that tool to bring you guys together. So think that's a great point to bring up. Thank you. So the second step is to figure out what you care about and what motivates you, what drives you, and what gets you excited. This is where the passion comes in. And again, we all have things we're good at but not necessarily care about. You want to make a list of things that you really care about, and this is crucial. The reason I say that is because it's not going to be easy turning your purpose into a paycheck. There are going to be sleepless nights. There are going to be haters. There are going to be setbacks, and you're going to second-guess yourself. And if you want to, fall, and you're going to want to fall back into your comfort zone. So that's where you're going to really need that internal fire, that drive to keep you pushing when things aren't going great. Shout out to the haters. Facts. <laughs> some and some people are fueled by their haters. Like for me, I've always been the type of person where people hating on me can could derail me. But other people, you say I can't do it. I'm the fact that I get to prove you wrong is what's going to drive me. But passion is the fuel for success, period. If you don't have passion, fire, and the drive to put in the work, you will not have the energy to keep pushing when things aren't easy. And that's something I'm really learning doing this podcast with you, Key, because we both have jobs outside of this, and it takes a lot to really put in that work, especially when you want to clock out and be done, but you have so much more to do. This is true. So that passion is really important. Some examples of passion or something that fuels you are, like with me, wanting to make a difference for other people in their life. And that's why I got into this life coaching. Another example is just 
finding a way to feed your family, something that motivates you because people have to provide. And going back to Tariq Navar episode, he said one of the things that really fueled him was when his son was born, he was like, I don't got any more options. Like, this is it's do or die because he put himself against the wall and said, there's no way I'm not going to provide for my son more than what I had. And he's a living example of that. And kind of what you just said also, Key, about having the haters fuel you. Facts. So the final step is to take the list of things you're good at and take the list of things you care about and that you're passionate about and see where that intersection is. When you see what you're good at and what you care about, you're able to merge those two. And this is what I like to call your purpose. It's that intersection of what I'm already good at and what fuels me and what I, how I can make a difference. And once you find out what your purpose is, the only thing left to do is start working at it. It doesn't matter what you have to start working at, just get going. Too often we're waiting for things to be perfect, and then we wait and miss opportunities. This is why you should start working with whatever you have at the moment. And just to give you guys an example, me and Key, we started this podcast with a laptop, a microphone, and my bedroom. And now we're up here in the studio, and it just feels good just seeing the growth. I remember our first post on Instagram, we had like three likes and two of those were me and you facts now we got like a hundred and something <laughs> if not 500 likes um so it's definitely good that we talk about the beginning stages can you speak to more specific examples of monetizing your gift yeah so especially with the explosion of social media there are many ways of taking your gifts or things you enjoy and monetizing them and some examples are twitch this is a social media platform for people who play games and comment on video games and they get paid based on the viewers liking their stuff by making donations to them. So if you enjoy playing games or just entertaining people with your commentary, this is an easy way for people to make money. Some of the highest earners on Twitch are making anywhere from $1,000 to $18,000 a week. And that's where... And that's crazy because they're doing something that they genuinely enjoy, playing the games and being able to entertain people, and they're getting paid for that. Yeah. Another one is Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. So this is a huge platform, and fans pay you a subscription amount of their choice in exchange for exclusive experiences and behind-the-scenes content. So there are people who are music artists and they're putting stuff out there and they'll give their Patreon fans like, oh, this is some behind the scene footage at the studio. Here's the song a week early before it comes out. So it's just a platform that allows creators and just doers to just connect with their fans and then people can sponsor them and help pay to just fuel their passions and goals. Cause That's people, dope. Yeah, so people see that you're passionate about things and they really want to support you. Mm-hmm. Um, Another example is cooking services, like people who are good at baking or cooking up some. I have a friend, she does curry goat, just a bunch of Jamaican food, and it's amazing. Yeah. And, like, with the social media, you're able to put that out there and just start selling it. And kind of doing a meal prep setup, which some people have done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And finally, just another example, again, via social media, is sponsorship. If you're a social media influencer, like another one of our guests, Ashley Hall, also known as Curls for the Girls, Ashley's a hair, makeup, and beauty blogger, and she dives into what it takes to be a social media influencer in episode 31. So shout out to Ashley, who's also a Syracuse alumni, like my favorite co-host. Shout out to Cuse. <laughs> yeah. But being a social media influencer, you can be sponsored by brands that embody 
what you care about, whether it's your fitness, social justice work, fashion and beauty, motivational speaking, and so much more. With social media, the possibilities are endless because we're really in a connected world. So when your gifts, people relate to the things that you're doing, and it's just a great platform to really connect and get paid for it. So I really want to just end by saying you can only do what you know, but once you know better, then you can do better. Ooh, look at you. We got a little fancy over there. Zaddy. <laughs> yeah, so, and by saying that, what I'm trying to get across is go for it. Whatever you're working on, whatever your passion is, Just whatever you it. care about. Exactly. <laughs> the plug, your Nike, holla at us for that sponsorship. Just Fuck. do it, you heard? <laughs> I mean, we can start off, you know, have a little meeting. Your people meet with my people. Yes. Yeah, but take whatever you got and just get to work. Everything, the growth will come, and that's what really, humans, we grow and flourish, and that's when that happiness comes in, when we're progressing. So wherever you are, get started today and start working on that, and then you're going to see those results. Thank you, Coach P, for dropping those gems. Um, Definitely make sure you check out those previous episodes that we mentioned about the interviews with people we had on our show to get some great information pertaining to how they cultivated and build their business. And I think it's imperative that we as millennials know what it's like to monetize our gifts outside of what we're doing to make, you know, have several forms of income coming in where you're not struggling and you're living a lifestyle that you want. So I really appreciate Coach P for really speaking to this. Um, He drops a lot of great gems pertaining to health and fitness, self-care, but primarily about building your craft and your business and I think it's imperative that you take note of what was said and if you have any questions just let us know you can slide in our DMs you know we like that or you can send us an email take it away once again guys thank you for tuning in if you haven't done so already make sure you head over to the iTunes store for Apple users and the Tune store for Android users to purchase the unapologetically different ringtone playing in the background all silky smooth in your ear yeah uh, <laughs> And you can also reach out to us and interact via our social media. Our Instagram and Twitter handle is at unapologetically underscore. And you can find us on Facebook by searching unapologetically different. Lastly, you can find our shows on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now Stitcher by searching unapologetically different. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye.